Morning, Cross Point. Either you guys are having such a great time talking or you're still sleeping. Good morning, Cross Point. <laughs> it's good to see everybody this morning. It's, uh, it's a great day to be here together as a family, and it's a great day to worship our Savior this morning. One question as we get started this morning What can wash away our sins? Thank you for the introduction. Here we go. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me
because of your love for us, because of your great mercy, God, we are saved. We are so thankful this morning. We can stand here and sing. We can sit here and sing. We can celebrate, God, because you are God, and it is because of you that one day we will be with you eternally. Thank you, Lord, for that grace. God, help us as we spend the rest of our morning in your word to have ears to hear. In Christ's name, amen. And that is an amen. As we gather together, I started this uh, a 
couple weeks ago, or I think Andrew started it actually, and it's worked well to greet those by way of Facebook. And I wanted to take a moment and share with you that um, this, say thank you actually, uh, last week was my birthday. Many of you sent me voicemails, Facebook, all that good stuff, and uh, very much appreciated. But I got one special one that I will remain on my voicemail for eternity. Mary and Marta called to wish me a happy birthday. And um, I had actually, their birthday's in October as well, and um, just missed um, uh, congratulating them. And Maureen's was last Saturday as well. But I was talking to Carol, uh, Mary and Marta's mother, and I said that this Sunday what we'll do is we'll turn around and wave to Mary and Marta. They're watching Facebook Live this morning. So if everybody would kind of turn around, wave to Mary and Marta, tell them, uh, we miss them, we love them, right? And uh, I'm telling you, some of the most blessed moments I've ever had is coming to church with Mary and Marta in my car. It is, um, you never know what we're going to sing, do, or say. So, um, yes, us singing has been, um, I'm just glad that's not on Facebook Live, is what I'm ultimately getting at, because uh, you do not want to hear that from my vocals. But, um, we are moving forward. We get to keep um, the best we can, uh, keep moving forward with our life. And here's why, because we have an enemy that does not retreat. Hello? You have temptations that don't take uh, a break from because there's things going on. In fact, temptations may increase. So we keep moving forward the best we can. So over the next... Um, uh, especially for the rest of the year, November, December. We're going to start, you're going to see a little bit more up here on stage uh, and what that looks like. Um, but I did want to mention several dates uh, that we want to keep at the forefront as we finish the year strong. Who's ready for 2020 to be over? Yeah, see all the hands go up? And uh, I hear that, I feel that. Uh, but we want to be mindful, not forget to live today. We must live today. God is in the presence, present tense, not just in the future. And we read about him in the past and we can read about him in the future, but we live with him today. How about for the next hour? We live with him. So uh, don't forget that. But I did want to mention a couple of dates as we move forward. Next Sunday is November 8th. That is the day that we will honor the veterans um, that are members of our church and or uh, guests and visitors. If you serve that day, we have a special gift for you. We're not going to have uh, everybody come up front. Um, we're going to have you stand where you are, but we do have a special gift. So if you're a vet, a veteran, uh, we want to make sure that you uh, are here next Sunday if you're comfortable with that and so that we can honor uh, your service. And the next announcement that you need to be very aware of, if you, many of you have taken um, Operation Christmas Child boxes, okay? And uh, with that box, you're able, you, you, you know the details. I don't have to give you the detail what the box is about. You're filling items in that box that go around the world for Christmas, uh, different uh, countries. And um, the drop-off for that is here at Cross Point Baptist Church, November 18th. Guess how many days away that is? How about 18 days? It's 18 days away. So today's November 1st. So... Uh, it's going to be here before you know it. Is It's going to be right here. So if you have a box, um, jump on it. If you uh, still, it's not too late, right, Christina? We still have, yep. About how many has been taken? Our goal was 100. 
Okay, so plenty of, plenty of boxes to go. Christina did want me to remind you that um, if you have the wherewithal, it costs about $9 a box to ship. Um, if you want to pay for that, go for it. If not, church will cover it. Uh, we'll cover it out of our, our general, but uh, there is a cost to shipping those. And, um, but it's going to be here before you know it. It's a great family project you can do. It's a great family ministry you can do. Um, so deeply consider doing that, but you got to get moving. And, of course, you know I'm also passionate about uh, grief share. Uh, usually in the past we've had hope for the holidays. And this uh, last two years for holidays um, can be hard for those that have lost a loved one. We, there's a program through Grief Share called Surviving the Holidays. Uh, that will be on December 3rd on a Thursday night. Usually we do it on a Sunday, um, but, and I think we originally had it this year on the Saturday, but it's going to be December 3rd on a Thursday night. So those are the things I want you uh, at least to be aware of as, again, these are not just activities. These are real-life viable ministries, which we need which we are commanded to have and do and serve our Lord. Are you grateful to be here today? It is, um, boy, if you're looking for an excuse today, you know, that wind was blowing, messed my hair all up. Um, All kinds of uh, things going on, but you know what? The sun was shining today. It's amazing what something, if you will look and have eyes to see, you will see the blessings of the Lord all around us. So I'm getting you hyped up, getting you focused on what is real, what is true, what is God. And now I'm going to bring up a topic, I think, that for some, as soon as I mention it, it could cause a, 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 a divisiveness or something in your heart that may trigger. The goal today is to take God's word and to be, follow it, be obedient to it. This is not... This is a pulpit for preaching, for proclaiming God's word. It is not a podium for politics. Now, sometimes the two do intersect. You may think, oh, easy now. What do you mean? You're, you're, what do you mean by that? When we're living real life according to God's word, and the Bible has quite a bit to say about governing bodies, that's where life intersects. And I don't like the word politics. Perhaps we should use the word intersects with government. That's probably the better word. So here's the question that I want to pose before you today. Then we're going to answer it. I'm going to answer it quickly. It's going to be a deductive style of message. That means this is what, we're, this is what the Bible says. And then I'm going to go through and, and, and show you how that that is true, what I said at the beginning. It's not an inductive message. It's one that builds to the end. So... Um, the question that I want to pose to you, and this is a question that is uh, kind of buzzing around a little bit amongst believers, or at least again in the Christian community or religious community. Here's the question. Does God expect Christians to vote? Does God expect Christians to vote? What does the Bible say? Now, this is where it gets dicey because our opinion may say this. But what does the Bible say? And that's what I want us to um, uh, think on this morning. Now, another thing I want to mention, I'm very aware because I know you and you know me, that um, as I was thinking this through, the, the majority of our church that votes. 
I know that. I see that. I've seen you in the lines. And uh, who's already voted this year? Man, he's already done the absentee. Wow, a lot of people's already voted. So in case you didn't know, it's in just a couple days. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's probably too late to register. Isn't that right, Bob? I think we already, yeah, I'm probably going to guess that. It's not going to happen. But at the end of today, if you are compelled and you're like, man, I've never really considered it, or I've never voted. I know uh, men that are well into their 70s that have never voted in their whole life, okay? And even people that are considering it for the first time, like, what is the big deal about the voting, right? And what, if you are at the end of today and you're like, man, I feel really convicted. I want to vote, but I didn't register. Here's my advice to you. On Wednesday morning, go register to vote. Don't wait for two years, four years. By the way, there's an election every year, in case you didn't know that, uh, twice a year, every year. But um, that would be my application for you. If you haven't registered to vote, go um, uh, on Wednesday and, and register. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Okay? Now, back to our topic at hand. Does God expect Christians to vote? Well, I would answer that question by saying yes. And we're going to look at Scripture this morning to make that very point. But remember, the, the, the goal here isn't for you to vote the way I think you should vote. The goal this morning isn't for us to, to uh, push a certain agenda. The goal is to be well-pleasing to the Lord. I've been pastoring here quite some time. Every November... Every time an election comes up, what is it that I would counsel you to do? Please vote with your God conscience. Your God conscience. Not, not being swayed by um, uh, smooth talking or promises that get dangled. But we want to use our God conscience to vote on policy, on procedure, on laws, and, of course, on people. God is in control. Amen? God is in control. And, you know, as I think about that, so we think about his sovereignty. There, um, we don't question that when we read the Bible. He, he, he doesn't need our permission to do anything. In fact, he doesn't need us to certain, accomplish uh, certain agendas that he has. But he allows us to be a part. There's something that used to frustrate me. And that's God's sovereignty. And for years, I've, I've wrestled with this. And you, you, God's sovereignty. He's in complete control. And yet, decisions that we make and choices that we make and how it affects our lives, the world, and each other, the church and God. And where it used to be a topic where you had to be in this camp or that camp, you know, the older I get, what I'm starting to fall in love with and embrace is the fact that God is in complete control and I get to make decisions. It's no longer divisive for me. I'm getting over it, I should say. I, I just kind of want to embrace both. I love the mystery of it. I love the mystery of the fact that God is in complete control. Some things are going to happen, whether I voice an opinion, say anything, or do anything or not. But there's some things that are going to happen because I voice an opinion, say certain things, and do certain things. I've learned to embrace it and kind of, well, have fun with it, to be honest with you. We are commanded as believers to pray for our leaders. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to be in 1 Timothy. 
We're going to touch the book of Hosea. Um, in fact, if spent, uh, Brad, I'll have you just put that one on a screen when we get to it. We might touch, well, we are going to touch 1 Samuel as well. But for now, turn with me to 1 Timothy. Again, you may be thinking, why, Pastor, if you know that the bulk of the people in this room are voting, why this topic? Well, because we want what God wants. Amen? Want what God wants. By the way, the word Christian, one of the definitions is to be Christ-like or little Christ. doesn't mean you're son in the flesh, but we're to emu uh, uh, emulate his, who he is, his heart, his mind, and his actions. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Listen what Paul is writing here. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, I exert, exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be, ma be made for all men. Say all men. That means the down and out and the up and out. The people of means and the people of no means. I exhort to... Uh, First of all, that supplication, that means to pray for what is lacking. Pray for what is lacking in their life. And, and prayers and intercessions to be that go-between. And giving of thanks be made for who? For all men. For every, gen, uh, uh, every man, woman, boy, girl. This is a reminder, Timothy's writing to the Ephesian area, uh, Ephesus area, he says to pray, right, on the, right after that comma, after verse 1, he mentions for kings and all who are in authority. That means leadership. We're to be praying for them. Now, I think that's interesting because when the politician is in there that we don't want, we'll pray that God would pray them out, move them out, or pray for their evil, wicked ways. Or the politician that's in there that we like we pray that oh god keep them going keep them going keep them going he says for us to pray not according to our agenda but just to pray you know what happens when you pray and you genuinely pray you know who you're invoking in your prayer the holy spirit hello i'm getting in your personal stuff here a little bit i realize that but when you pray we're, we're putting we're submitting our will to the spirit's will as we pray and lift these things before the Lord. He commands us to pray for our leaders. I could insert a lot of lines right there. Even the ones that make dumb decisions. Even the ones that feel controlling. Even the ones that want all our money. And all, I got. He just tells us to pray for kings and all who are in authority. All who are in a, 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 a prominent place to pray for them. Here is something you may have never seen before in verse 2. The very next line says that we. Did you see that? Not that they, but that we. You know what Paul just recognized? And by the word, by the pronoun we, he's including Timothy here. That men of a pastorship, there is an, a spiritual authority that is there. He's praying, pray that we... And now listen, the, the, the world does not recognize the authority of the local church. In fact, to be honest with you, a lot of Christians, a lot of church members don't recognize the authority of the local church or of the pastor even. There, Hebrews tells you that. Now, it's, why, is that, why is he asking for prayer? That with this responsibility 
it would be managed wisely. Not with arrogance, not with personal preference, but with what is honoring unto the Lord. All right, so verse 2, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and uh, uh, reverence, dignity, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. That lifestyle that he's saying to pray for, but also the fact that you're praying is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse 4, who desires all men, say all, all men Women, boys, and girls, he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I love that when it says all men. I'm fairly certain as we look at this scripture, what Paul is saying is we need to be praying for the leaders that are in position that do not proclaim Christ as their Savior. Pray for what? Pray for the salvation of their soul. Why else, would, why else would he add that in verse 4? Who desire, why emphasize that point that this is what God desires? You know what that also tells us? Pray for him. God uses our prayers to accomplish his will. Remember that whole God sovereignty and our, how's that work? Yeah, how's it work? All I know is what he tells us to do. So we need to be praying for discernment. Praying, especially for salvation of those to come to the knowledge of the truth. So in terms of politics and, and leadership, we also see that there is evidence in Scripture that God is displeased with our choices at times. You may think, what's well, just a vote? What's, what's one vote going to do? It does a lot, not because of the outcome, not only because of the outcome, or only because of how close sometimes the, 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 the votes can be, the popular vote and electoral, but because your vote is going to be as before the Lord. Watch what happens when they, Israel made a terrible decision. It's in Hosea chapter uh, 8, verse 4. Hosea chapter 8, verse 4. Israel finally got what they wanted. Can I, can I be a reminder for us to be careful what you ask for? You just might get it. You might get what you ask for. Well, Israel, we're going to look at 1 Samuel in just a moment and see what they demanded. And now here is Israel in a, in a time in a, a, of captivity and they had turned from the Lord. And listen what the prophet is speaking through the Lord. Listen what it says. They set up kings, but not by me. Who set up that government? It wasn't God. Now, does God see what's going on? We know from Romans, absolutely. He knows, what, he knows what's up. It's not like he's, he's blind to what. And could he have stopped it? The answer is yes. But he says, they set up kings, but not by me. I, I, didn't, or, I, didn't, bless, I didn't say do this. They made princes, but I did not acknowledge them. Why? They weren't people of faith. They weren't living to be well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now, again, this is speaking to Israel. Old Testament, America is not Israel. Be reminded of that. We are not God's chosen people. Israel is God's chosen people. This is a context. Do we see principles that could transcend over? The answer is yes. We must honor the Lord as a people group. So watch, uh, I'll, I'll pick that up again in a minute. For their silver and their gold, they made idols for themselves that they might be cut off. 
So we see that God is not pleased with the choice that they made. They, they wanted this leadership and that's what they got. Well, it's no secret as we look out our doors, our windows, look into our devices, that there is sin that can have a stronghold on our communities. There is much suffering on the earth because of godless leadership. Now, we see it a little bit here, but in third world countries, you see it a lot. Turn with me to Proverbs 28. Let's do Proverbs 28 and verse 12. Right on time as I was, um, this is something new for me is to have Facebook Live going here and watching some of the, the feeds that uh, Chad Trago reminded us that you can vote today if you're registered to vote down at um, uh, the Board of Elections in Batavia from 1 to 5 today. So you can still vote today um, if you choose to do it, if you can't Monday or Tuesday. So in uh, Proverbs 28, verse 12 Look how it reads. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. When the wicked arise, when they're held into a place of prominence and they start making decisions that aren't God honoring, what does that, what does that proverb tell us happens? That people, they run and hide themselves. Perhaps you've seen it, perhaps you haven't. Uh, the, the literal translation there is, they, you will have to search for those people that will go into hiding. Scripture gives Christians um, instruction to obey legitimate authority unless it contradicts God's commands. Now, I just shared uh, Acts, uh, I think it was last week, maybe in two weeks ago, Acts chapter 5, where Peter and John were, were proclaiming the word and, and, and the religious law said, you, you're going to stop this and you're going to stop it now. In fact, it was shady law at best. It was shady law. It was arbitrary law that the, the religious leaders said, you, you can't say that. You can't say that. So what did they do? They told they forbid them to speak that way. But they were kind of handcuffed because they couldn't do a whole lot to them. In fact, later when they do beat them, they realize they messed up royally. But that's where Peter makes that, that statement sometimes I think gets used out of context. It has to be careful to make sure you're in context when you say it. It's where it gets dicey that the believer ought to obey God rather than man. If it is clear in Scripture, you're to obey God over man. Why? Not only because God's going to get you. Because it's right to do. You have realized when God says thou shalt not, not only is he saying that's going to hurt you, he's also saying I'm going to bless you. Thou shalt not. Is, we hear that and we think a command and, and all, these, all these words were, were to obey, even in the New Testament. Obey, obey, fire. That's all I do is obey. That's all pastor talks about. Let's do a little flip to script here. When you obey the Lord... Not only do you put a smile on his face, he blesses your life. 
He blesses your life with his presence at barest of minimums. Born, born again believers, we ought to strive to choose leaders who will be led themselves by the creator. Hey, that's tough, isn't it? That is tough. Right now, you can hear politicians pull out the religious card. Man, you don't hear them talk a whole lot about it until right about October, November of an election year. You hear it just a little bit more, don't we? And um, there is an important aspect for us to be there, to, to pay attention to. And that is, what is genuine and what is not? Well, this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our scripture. The last scripture I want us to look at is the longest dialogue. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Remember, the question today for us is, does God expect Christians to vote? The answer is yes. We're going to look at Israel right here. And then at, after that, we're going to see more directly why the answer is yes. Okay? It's 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. And believe it or not, we're going to go through 25, but more as a narrative. He says, Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. So in verse 13, uh, to really grab the full context, if you're new to Scripture, I'll give you this. If, you, if you're familiar with the Old Testament and reading, you'll remember this, that in chapter 8, just a couple chapters earlier, Israel demanded a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. You know, we have to be careful as people group that we, as Americans, that we don't look at other nations and go, we won't be like that. We want to be like this. We won't be like that. Especially when you follow the history, because we are a very young nation. Did you know that? We're young. We're less than 300 years old. Jewel knows he was there. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, whom you have desired. This is the guy that you wanted. If you will read in 1 Samuel chapter 8, God says, don't do this. You don't want to do this. Let me be your God. Let me be your king. We've been doing pretty good so far. But they wanted to be like the other nations. This is a, a, a bit of a head scratcher. Be careful what you ask for. You might get it. God, and when you read this, if you were to read just verse 13 by itself, you would think, oh, isn't that nice? God placed a king over him. He's so nice. That's, it's the opposite. He warned them, don't do this. Samuel, who is the prophet, is saying, don't, don't do this. He warned him, warned him, warned him. Finally, God says, here's the, here's the king that, that you have chosen. Take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Verse 14, if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandments of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. So verse 14, don't misread that. It was very much common, Joshua did it, that um, when he made a proclamation, the people followed. So the reading there in verse 14, Samuel is saying, Hey, Saul, if you proclaim God and to love him and to follow him, and the people will follow, guess what? He will continue and you will be blessed. Verse 15, however, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, speaking to Saul first, 
and rebel against the commandment of the, of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Verse 16. Now therefore stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. So I love this. Don't miss this. I had to read this several times to really grab the impact of it. This is what you want. You got your guy? God says, he's your guy. Through Samuel, God says, Samuel and people, follow me. And this will happen. If you don't follow me, this will happen. And just so you get what I'm saying, just so you understand, verse 17. Today is not the, the wheat harvest. I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wicked wickedness is great which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourself. You wanted it, God's saying, here it is. You know it's wheat harvest, right? You may think, why is he bringing that up? He's getting ready to send a sign that God ain't playing. How many of you ever felt that in your life where, God, you have my undivided attention? Sure. Sometimes it's, it's hardship. Sometimes it's, it's, it's physical pain. It's, it, it becomes in all different shapes and sizes. And God's getting ready to get their undivided attention. Here it goes. Because you asked for king. Verse 18. So Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. In one day, this thunder, this rain, this all that happened, and it scared them to death. We've had some storms around here. I kind of like storms, to be honest with you. My family freaks out. I love it. But, but when, when storms hit, there's a little bit of like, whoa, there's something bigger going on than us down on this earth, right? This storm was so bad, in one day, all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Verse 18, all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord God that we may not die, for we have added to our sins the evil of asking for a king for ourselves. Not only did they, did they realize that, oh, we messed up, by, we sinned by asking for a king. They recognized all their other sins. Did you catch that? They recognized all their other sins in verse 19. Verse 20, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. You messed up. You sinned. You see it. Now, get busy serving. Get busy serving him. You may think, well, pastor, we can't do a whole lot here. How can I serve him? You serve him in your daily walk. You serve him in your family. You serve him in your marriage. You serve him in raising your children. You serve him in your workplace. And he says, serve with all your heart. With, with a, yes, there's work there. But can I, man, can we be reminded? We're not in the business of using people to build things. We want to use things to build people. We're not about making sure projects just get complete. Yes, ministry is work. There is a joy in serving the Lord. Find it. Find it. I've lost it. I've lost the joy of it. You, it's easily done. You will lose it before you realize it. There's tasks that happen here that um, 
there's weekly work that happens here by other people. And um, I can't speak for them, but I not only know because it's happened to me where I can be doing a task up here, something, a cleaning or moving or fixing something, and I'm at total peace, and there's actually a joy that has come with it. But then there's other days when I'm doing the exact same thing, and there's nothing but work, hardship, drudgery, and it's called serving the Lord. He says, serve the Lord with all your heart as unto the Lord. Verse 21, and do not turn aside for then you would rather, you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for they are nothing. Verse 22, for the, peop- for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. It pleased God to say, Israel, you're my chosen people. Again, I want to make sure I'm clear. For those that are judging by Facebook Live, what Pastor Scott says, America is not God's chosen people. The text says that Israel is God's chosen people. We are a blessed people. I believe the United States of America is a blessed people in in so many ways. And if there's principles we can learn, let's, let's, let's grab them and let's live by them. Verse 23, moreover, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. So the prophet is saying, it's my job to pray for you. It's my job to instruct you. When we look at that with the New Testament pastor, guess what? That's two of the three things he's supposed to do. Pray for you and instruct you. Prayer, word, and people. That's the pastor's job description and then verse 24 oh fear the lord and serve him in truth with all your heart for consider what great things he has done for you but if you still do wickedly you shall be swept away both you and your king and your king so in 2020 candidates or even uh issues on the ballot that violate the Bible's commands for life, for family, for marriage, or faith should not be supported. That's not politics. That's, that's Bible. So I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to have you repeat certain words after me. Candidates or issues or proposals that violate the Bible's commands for life, say life, for family, for marriage, and faith should never be supported. Proverbs 14, 34, if you need a reference. Christians should vote as led through prayer and the study of both God's word and the realities of the choices on the ballot. You may think, oh, pastor, are you getting ready to throw up a flag here that's saying how we should vote and tell us who to vote for? I, I, I will not do that. You want to ask me privately, we can have that conversation. This is a pulpit for preaching and proclaiming God's word. Do it with your God conscience, but you got to do it. Does God expect us to do it? Was the original question. Christians in many countries around this world, they are oppressed and persecuted. We have no idea. You realize we have the ability to not just let our voice, but God's voice be heard. Think about it this way. We're commanded to pray 
for our leaders is not voting putting feet to your prayers. I'm getting off on a tangent. But two, two cool things that happen um, during the absentee ballot and, and um, two people of our church were kind of standing in line and they struck up a conversation because every time they've been down, they've had to wait for an hour, by the way. It's, it's an hour wait about how long did it take you the other day? Hour and a half. Yeah, he calls me. This guy calls me over here and says, hey, but where, can I vote here? Can I vote there? Okay, thanks. I'm like, oh, that was good. It was my birthday. Thanks, Eric. So he calls back an hour later going, oh, yeah, by the way, happy birthday. Right? You use me up, dude. So, uh, but it's taken all this time. There, there's two that I know of in our church that have, that, that were just having conversations. That, that, just having conversations that bled over into our church. That they actually exchanged information and two pretty unique relationships have happened all because of standing in line just to vote. And it's weird. This year is a weird year. I, I get it. I guess, I don't know, in my lifetime it seems like it's the most contentious you know, because you already have your mask on, you're in line down there, and, and you can feel it. You can just feel it. Like, don't look at them. Ooh, they're wearing a certain color. They must vote that way. I ain't looking at them. I got to, ooh, no, that's the wrong color. It, it, there, there's a nervous, unspoken nervousness going on down there. In our ability to put feet to our prayers by voting, that, that, that's, that's our ability to do that. There's countries around the world that, that are being oppressed or being persecuted. You know, in North Korea right now, they can't do what you have the ability to do on Tuesday. They have, they have no voice. There's multiple countries like that. Aren't you glad that you were born where you are? You're blessed to be here. There are governments that hate their faith and they want to silence their voices. And yet... The Christians, the genuine believers in North Korea, they still keep doing what they're doing. They're still following the commands of the Lord somehow. Without a voice to be able to change and course correct. The government that wants to silence their voices. These believers, they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ at the risk of their own lives. I've heard for decades, decades, that it's coming to America. Someday it'll be like this. And we have to use... Uh, what, hyperbole or all kinds of uh, up on stage to get you to see and, and ring that bell and be ready, be ready when it's going on in reality in other places around this globe. I don't know what the future holds. In our day and age, there are many who want to drive the name and the message of Christ, Jesus Christ, completely out of the public conversation. Voting is an opportunity to promote, protect, and preserve godly government. Passing up that opportunity means letting those who would want to hurt the name of Christ have their way in our lives. There's one last verse I want us to consider this morning. It's James chapter 4, verse 17. Let me think, Pastor. But 
we're in here and I've already voted, man. Why are you, why are you going after this? You know, there's some in here that aren't of age to vote yet. You're right there. It's going to be here before you know it. It might be easier just to keep your mouth quiet and not vote. He never asked us to do what was easy, but what was right. James chapter 4, verse 17 is on the screen as well as I hear you turning to it in your Bibles. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. The question I wanna, want you to think about as this topic comes to the forefront with just a couple days to go is are you sinning in your heart by not voting? Are you sinning in your heart if you choose not to vote? I think the Bible would have us to vote. We have that ability. We have that voice. It's putting uh, feet to our prayers. And by passing up that opportunity, it hurts the name of Jesus Christ in our lives as well. I said when we were meeting outside in a driving uh, parking lot um, that if you will follow a program or a church or a party, a political party, if you will follow their platform, they'll tell you what they believe. It, ours is out there. Our articles of faith will tell you what we believe, and in turn, you can tell what we desire to do. We have an agenda at Cross Point Baptist Church. We have an agenda. It's to love on you. It's to share the gospel. It's to help equip. That's our agenda. It's to help correct. If you will look at political parties, nonprofit, anybody that has an organization, read their platform. If their platform does not at least get you pointed in the direction of God, stay away. Keep it out. It's not good. Our leaders, they can choose to protect our First Amendment rights to religious freedom and the right to spread the gospel or they can restrict those rights. I paused because I didn't know if I want to say that line. Not because I'm scared of it. I'm not scared of that line. I don't want to be a distraction. We have... this beautiful, in my opinion, the most second important document we can have in our lives known as the Constitution. Not inspired, the Bible is. And it's got these things called the amendments. They're originally 33, they're 27, is what we have right now that are ratified. The first one is our ability to meet and assemble like we are. Let's guard the gospel first and foremost, but you have the ability to make sure that our ability to gather together is protected with your vote. It would be a hard case to stand before Christ at the Bema Seat of Christ, the judgment seat of Christ, having not voted, when your vote, the, the power of one vote that could move the direction. Watch this of eternity. 
If all of a sudden the message of the church is stifled, if all of a sudden you're not allowed to meet, you're not allowed to assemble, you do not have freedom of religion, if that is stifled and that word doesn't get out, that message doesn't get out, that could affect the soul, thousands of souls, millions of souls for eternity. Our prayer today is that we lead our nation toward righteousness and, and not moral disaster. So this is how I close this morning as I share this very passionate topic with me. Let's make sure to keep nothing more, let's not be any more passionate about anything in this world than Jesus Christ. Love him. Learn, and when we don't love him, beg him to teach us to love him. Draw us close to you because we are a fickle people in our hearts. We've been given clear direction from the Bible to pray. Clear direction, clear direction. Put feet to your prayer. But I also want to end with hope. Every time we meet, we want to end with hope. And here's the hope. That no matter what happens, our God is still in control. Our God, our God is still in control. He's got this. We don't have to panic. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to worry about Wednesday morning. It don't matter. There won't be a decision by Wednesday morning anyway. We don't have to worry about that stuff when we keep our eyes fixed upon Christ. When we keep our eyes fixed upon our Heavenly Father. Like Samuel was warning Israel, keep our eyes fixed upon Him. The information I shared with you, I stole it. There's an app. Many of you know of it. It's called Got Questions. This is a cut and paste right out of gotquestions.org. That's all it is. And it is just true, powerful uh, statement supported by Scripture. So if you want to reread what I did, go to gotquestions.org and type in, Does God Expect Christians to Vote? Again, if you have any questions, I would encourage you to contact me. But know that Christ is our first and foremost on our hearts. Let's bow for prayer this morning. Dear Lord, it is an amazing feeling to know when we as human beings are on the side of truth. There is such a confidence and assuredness of knowing to know that we know that we're on the side of truth. Lord, we are on your side. You're not on our side. We're on your side. We join you. We want to follow you. We are so grateful for the experiment known as America. And here we are, and it's been choppy and it's been weird, but Lord, you've given certain freedoms and liberties, and it's taken time to get full freedom and full liberty. I don't know if it's fully there, but Lord, you keep directing us, I pray. As the Christian, the genuine believer goes, Lord, hopefully, prayerfully, and by voting, so will the nation go. That is our prayer. Our prayer to you is as you move in the believer, 
so the nation will be led. As we've seen by example of Israel in 1 Samuel. As we see commanded in 1 Timothy. To pray for them. Pray for them how? That they know how to lead. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior. And as we conclude today's service, I pray that you would give us the ability, the assurance to have joy in our life today as having heard from you and met with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. If, uh, again, you have any questions, feel free to contact me. We have a WANA tonight at uh, 4 o'clock, and then um, it goes to about 5.15 um, is our agenda for today. And uh, then also want to remind you that every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, many of you are chiming in for our, uh, it's Bible study, but it's our a family night by way of Facebook. Um, I don't know if you're enjoying it, but I'm loving it. I, I absolutely love it just to interact with people. So we want to do our best to make sure we're ministering. And over the next handful of um, uh, the rest of the year, Look for different things to be happening right here on stage as it relates to our church, right? So if we would, dismiss from the back to the front, and um, uh, you are dismissed. God bless.